Okay, hi everyone. Welcome to an episode of the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast with a guest that I'm very excited to have on uh, because something a little different, a new guest. I feel like I've done a lot of solo podcasts recently, but given that there's some really interesting topics today, I really wanted to get the opinion of Bogdan from Volleyball Explained. How are you? Uh, thank you, Dan. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, it's, it's a little pleasure for, for me to talk about volleyball with you in the next minutes and maybe an hour. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how much we get to. So um, today's episode, we're going to talk about that Lube Peru versus Perugia game. Maybe not spend too much time on it, given uh, uh, maybe it wasn't, didn't live up to expectations. Uh, do my next two uh, VNL previews, which... The guest may indicate who one of the teams is. I'll probably put in the description as well. And yeah, talk a little bit about Super Finals because I'm interested to hear uh, your analysis and opinion. But before we start, do you want to give maybe a quick explanation on uh, who you are, maybe your platform? Because I've, I've been a huge fan of your stuff for a while. I learned tons of like analytics. You guys go so deep into everything and have, have really good, uh, really good analysis of players and coaching styles and everything like that. Yeah, firstly, I'm flattered uh, from your uh, description of my of my uh, job, even if it is not a professional job. But anyway, uh, I I have a platform in YouTube, Volleyball Explained. Uh, I started the channel uh, two years and a half ago in August uh, 2018, and it started um, firstly as an educational channel with uh, volleyball explained videos. That means videos that are explaining uh, rules of the game and some uh, elements like reception. And uh, I'm using uh, as much as I could uh, videos from coaches, etc. Uh, I, I started doing also some timeout videos uh, and uh, volleyball to remember. And this is uh, uh, a series about volleyball history matches and players mostly. Uh, and later in 2019, I started also the podcast, uh, the podcast's uh, first tempo, and later also volleyball explained podcast. So first tempo is with uh, uh, guests from the world of volleyball, and volleyball explained podcast is a podcast uh, about uh, just analyzing and uh, commenting on uh, on different uh, topics uh, in the in the world of volleyball, uh, mostly about the Italian league, but not. Uh, not only, and uh, yeah, it's also in Spotify. Uh, you can find uh, both podcasts, and uh, also I have a Facebook page with uh, sharing videos and uh, other sometimes memes also, which which are yeah a more rare occasion, but uh, but also an interesting one addition to the to the whole uh, concept of volleyball explained. Yep, and really happy to have you on the podcast. And guys, if you if you're listening to this, if you're a fan of five one volleyball, for sure uh, you would enjoy volleyball. Man, I'm sure a lot of you guys already already listened to it and know about it. But just in case, definitely go check that out. And I saw you just did an interview with uh, Brad Gunter, uh, the Canadian uh, opposite playing. In yeah, it's Bulgaria. a Canadian yeah. Canadian week. In, yeah, Canadian week for me. If you didn't know, yeah. I, I am Canadian as well, so that's why I'm. Yeah, I'm yeah I know, of course. <laughs> All right, so let's start with um, how about Lube versus Perugia first? Get that out of the way. Uh, just a quick recap of the game. Quick 3-0 victory for Lube and probably the most convincing game, even more convincing than the first game, I would say. Um, for me, I was a bit disappointed. I thought 
Perugia with a bit of momentum. I guess Hannon's gone. Atanasevic coming back, even if he's not playing at his full form. He's still, you know, maybe brought a bit more energy to the team. There was a different energy in game two. What do you think happened uh, there in game three? Maybe it's going to be a little bit frustrating for the fans of Perugia, but I would say that things go back to normal. <laughs> Uh, what, what I what I mean here is uh, firstly that uh, uh, even if with an savage back, uh, this team is too much depending on one player, and so we all know uh, who he is, uh, Wilfredo Leon, of course. Uh, when Leon is not uh, is not performing in the best possible way, like uh, in the previous uh, in the previous game, which uh, Perugia won. In a tiebreak, uh, things is, are not going to happen for Perugia in any way. So, so uh, the the first and uh, most important task of the opposing team is to stop even partly Leon and uh, things are going to happen for them. Uh, secondly, I believe that uh, this final series uh, will be um, won by by Lube for the pure fact that. It is a reflection of everything that happened during the during the season with uh, with the issues with uh, Vito Hanian as a head coach, and I believe that I'm a little bit surprised. We commented also on that in our podcast that uh, I am surprised a little bit that he was fired that lately, that late in the season, and uh, uh, not because of the fact that that. He has that much problem, that many problems with with um, with the players in the team, like like this uh, video we had from a timeout with Dragan Travica and also with Plutnitsky. There was a moment uh, during one of the matches, uh, but uh, this the the way he tackled and handled the the opposite problem. I'm 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 talking about the opposite problem in uh, in Perugia was totally strange. And uh, uh, this is the reason we have, in this moment, Atanasievich not in his great shape. Yeah, yes, we know that he was injured in the beginning of the season, but if he has started, and probably he, he didn't start playing regularly because of some scandal or problems with Hane, and I believe that this is sure now that this was a fact, he would have been in much better shape now. And... Uh, and uh, probably in a shape that could make Perugia a better team and uh, competitive against uh, against Lube. And on third place, so in first place, uh, uh, the the Leon problem. Let's say that way that uh, Leon is not going, is not capable of winning alone. The secondly, the opposite problem because uh, uh, at at several moments. Uh, Actually, in the in the last matches before before the final, uh, Perugia was playing with outside hitter uh, as an opposite and having three opposites, uh, pure opposites at the bench, which is absolutely ridiculous. And the third problem for me is the is the setter. Dragon Travica was a decent setter years ago before this scandal. Uh, I believe it was before the Olympic Games in Rio 2016 when uh, Janelit started playing regularly as a setter, but Dragon Travica is just not good enough and he's not at the level uh, we had now in uh, Christensen, we had now in uh, Bruno, in uh, Diceco and Janelit uh, and Tonyuti in Poland. So for me, these are the three reasons because of which uh, Perugia is not uh, 
the team they were even in some previous seasons uh, with uh, with some different coaches than uh, than now yeah for sure i mean the the coaching change and i think I, I hope we learn more about what happened in the off season. Maybe some stuff will come out after everyone's away from the team and all this is settled down. But it feels like there was a lot more behind the scenes going on during the year with Hayden than we know right now. It's tough to speculate on on the relationships. We're not in the locker room. We don't know what's going on, but definitely something more. And one thing that surprised me a little bit, because I'm not on Italian social media as much, but that a lot of Perugia fans were were pretty happy, actually. With the uh, with the Hainan firing and, and that had kind of been boiling boiling over for a while and and like you said I think if they were going to do it it should have been sooner I think firing someone in the middle of a, fi- a final series to me is a little crazy um, and in your second point uh, with the too many opposites for sure that was a problem and and you know for Canadian fans extremely frustrating this year uh, for Shawan Vernon Evans on paper had the, the possibility to start and be a major player for Perugia this year. Um, whether that was because he wasn't playing well in practice, uh, for sure could have been that. But but like you said, didn't really get the opportunity. Him and Atanasevich both were not playing at all. And Atanasevich, if he had started playing towards the end of the regular season and building up that confidence, building up those um, those muscles during the season, you know, could have been a different thing in the finals. And I'm surprised Hannon, I feel like played the safe card with Terhorst because really that was that was the safe thing they had. You know, a pretty easy matchups throughout the the playoffs. So I'm I'm surprised he went with the safe, the safe thing there. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think you were a little easy on Travitsa as well. I think uh, I think not only was he not playing at the level of Decheco and Christensen and Tony Udi, but I would say Perugia is looking at themselves this year and like, okay, why don't we go get uh, Luca Spirito? Why don't we get Riccardo Spertoli? Because I think I would have taken either of those Italian setters uh, for sure above how Travitsa is playing right now. Yeah, as, as I'm following uh, very closely Verona, I wouldn't, uh, due to the Bulgarians here, but on, not only, of course, but due to the Bulgarians there uh, a lot. Uh, I wouldn't say Spirito, but Spertoli is for me, and I believe I mentioned also in our podcast that Spertoli is for me number, Italian number two now, for sure. Uh, another interesting point is uh, uh, if we start uh, talking about Lube, that Lube also had this coach's change in the middle of the nothing. So uh, they they made the change uh, between the the first and the second match with Zaxa in the Champions League in the the quarterfinals. But it seems that they went through it uh, more calmly and without that that many problems that uh, that Perugia Perugia has uh, had during the during the whole season because uh, I believe that they also had some frictions uh, uh, under under uh, behind the stage uh, I don't know which players but f- for sure the Georgi the the former coach of Lube had had these problems with the, with the players and with the coming of Blengini, they started uh, playing uh, even even better. And so we can all all remember that uh, that they won the second match against Zaxa. They just lost the the, the golden the golden set. And uh, yeah, maybe with maybe if they they had fired the, the Georgia before the first match, maybe things would have been different. But uh, uh, we can't say it now. It's too late. Yeah, and I mean the way Lube is playing, I, I, I mean, I think you said on your podcast as well. I think Nicola said it, but Lube still seemed to me seems like the best of the three between 
Trentino, Perugia, and Lube. They're, they're just the way they're playing in that semifinals and final series is incredible to me, playing extremely well. Just a couple more points I want to make on Perugia, um, which is something you know I talked about a little bit when I was doing like the previews for Perugia that this team is gonna be a service team, right? They need they need that like six, seven, eight aces per match. They need to put teams out of system, and I really didn't see that against Lube in game three. One ace in uh, twelve service errors. And for me, when you have Leon, when you have Plotnitschke, who, 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 you know, you brought in a lot of the reason you brought him in was because of his serving. And you have, you know, you bring in Tanisevich back. You have Sebastian Soleil. You can get a couple uh, good serves from the middle. I think you need to put a little more pressure on, on with the serve. I would say that one of the reasons for that is that uh, if, you, if you had asked me two years uh, ago, I wouldn't have said the same thing. Uh, but Fabio Balazzo is, is having a great season. And it's... Uh, it's a little bit strange that the first player of Lube uh, I named in this podcast exactly Balazzo with with all the Leon, uh, the Leals and Contorenas and uh, and the Czechos. But uh, uh, I, yesterday in the match, I believe it was the third set, four four, if if I remember properly. And one of these monstrous serves uh, of of Leon, and he received it absolutely perfectly. And I believe that even the Czech who played with with uh, one of the middles. So uh, Balazu is the first reason. Second reason is, of course, Contorena, because uh, it's strange for many people, but uh, if we have uh, the so-called uh, receiving outside hitter and the attacking outside hitter, it's, it's, it's a little bit strange, but, uh, but Contorena is this receiving outside hitter uh, every team can, uh, can actually dream of. And uh, uh, if, we, uh, if we add the Checo and Simon, with, uh, who is absolutely... I don't know. It's it's brilliant. He had several matches where Simon was the was the player with most points scored in the in the match, uh, which we all know that is a very rare occasion with in volleyball. The, the middle blocker to have uh, the most points uh, scored. It's it's really unbelievable. And I would like also to mention the the opposite Rychlicki. Uh, uh, Last season, he was a little bit uh, hesitant, but uh, it much yeah, he has much more confidence now. And uh, yeah, he's, he's just an addition. He's not the one in, in the easy situations like, like uh, the, the season, the season before this. It's, he's uh, just, uh, just as important as the other ones. Yeah, I picked him as my most improved player this season. I think playing with Dicheco has helped him yeah. a lot. They seem to have really good chemistry. And I, I think, too, that he's putting a lot more uh, pressure on on his serve. I noticed uh, last night as well. And, and I f fully agree with you, Balasso. He is incredible last night. I know exactly the play you're talking about. I, I think I, I clipped it for a highlight because DiCeco, yeah, he passed it. Like, in front of the attack line, DiCeco was able to run uh, Simone. And, and they were able to do that so many times. And when you have your when you're able to run in system like that first tempo um, off incredibly hard serves, then that, that's tough to beat. Um, do you have any predictions for Game Four happening on, uh, I believe, Sunday, or sorry, Wednesday? Yeah, after after everything uh, I said, it, it would be very strange and awkward not to say that Lube will win. So I believe that Lube will end this series in four. Yeah, I think so too. After last night, but I mean, after Game One, it was tough to predict anything but a, a three-game series. So we'll see. Maybe Perugia bounces back, but. Lube looks like they're going to take the Scudetto here, and I think they've earned it uh, having the season they have uh, very strong from them.
Unfortunately, they are not playing, or not unfortunately, but they're not playing in the Super Finals. Uh, we actually have Trentino, which is funny that we have two teams on the men's side playing in the Super Finals, both of them uh, going out in kind of unspectacular fashion. Uh, Kazush and Kojle losing last weekend against um, Yastrebshi Vegil in, in two games, nonetheless. Didn't even take one game off of Yastrebshi. Did, did you watch that series? Do you have any uh, thoughts on that one? Unfortunately not. I, I missed both uh, both matches. I, I was joking with friends that uh, that um, the Polish Volleyball League is maybe the only week in the world where the, 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 the matches uh, for the third place finished after the matches for the first <laughs> place. So it's, yeah. uh, so it's a rare occasion, but um, unfortunately I didn't look uh, even in, at the statistics, but uh, uh, which uh, in... There is one thing I can be sure of that is that in the first match, uh, Zatorski, the libero of uh, of the team of Zaxa, wasn't there. So I believe that this is something that had a big impact for the team. And I believe that I'm not sure. Maybe maybe I uh, people can prove me wrong, but I believe that he played in the second match. Maybe we can check uh, yeah. check it now. But uh, but. Probably they uh, they accelerated their their return into the game, and I am not sure. I haven't, uh, uh, as I said, I haven't watched the match. I'm not sure if if he was too too early for him to be back with. Uh, I believe from Polish friends with a back injury, so uh, I couldn't say a lot for the match as as as, as such both matches. But what can I say for Zaksa from uh, my uh, from the from the things I I have seen uh, and watched in the past is that the problem with Zaxa is that they have seven great players, really great players as a team. Because uh, with the exception of one of the middles, I believe Kochanowski, they are playing together for a long time. So so Tonyuti, uh, uh, Slivka, uh, and uh, Semenyuk is also a little bit also new, but I believe for second season in Zaxa. Uh, with uh, with Zatorski, with uh, Kaczmarek and uh, and David Smith, so five of seven players are playing at least for three three years uh, together, and they're a very good team. They are maybe probably a great team, not probably for sure a great team. They beat uh, uh, Luba, they beat Zaxa. Uh, the problem uh, of the team of uh, of Zaxa is that they don't have uh, any. Okay, let's say not decent, but substitutions which are on a similar level. So uh, they have a player like uh, opposite, like uh, Bartolome Klut, who was a substitute also in Verona uh, the, the, the season before. Uh, like uh, Staszewski, and I believe they also got one uh, outside hitter from Zawierce, uh, uh, Dominic Depowski is, is an outside hitter, but these are not players who can uh, be a change of, of players like uh, like Slivka and uh, Semenyuk, who has a great season uh, 2020-21. Uh, so this is the problem, and probably in all the efforts also in the Champions League, Probably I say I'm maybe I'm speculating. There is also some tiredness in them. So uh, and and I would say here that after the after the arrival of Gardini as a coach of Jajewski, they're playing also also very great. And they had this bench, which is even in terms of a bench, 
the regular players are better for Zaxa for sure. But when it's come to the bench, and then we come to this, uh, uh, I'm not a baseball fan, but I like this money ball principle uh, uh, of, of the athletics. I don't know, Billy Bean. Uh, and uh, they have uh, two uh, opposites, uh, which are pretty much even in terms of uh, capabilities. Uh, they have uh, three outside hitters uh, with uh, Fornau, Shimura, and uh, Wati. Uh, they have also two very good setters with uh, Kampa and Terra Porti. So, so they have these substitutions that can can change the, the rhythm and the tempo of the game. And when one of them is not playing, the other can 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 get in and and, and start playing on a on a very similar level, which is different from Zaxa because they don't have these uh, these players uh, at the bench. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I mean, uh, Buki came in uh, in the, I think I believe the first or second set and won MVP of the last match. So goes to show, like having those bench players. Shimura came in has been really important in these playoffs. Um, yeah, in Turvaporti has come in at the end of sets sometimes as well, and and not just for one match too. And I think it it's, it matters a lot throughout the course of a season, especially in Poland where you're playing a few extra games compared to Italy. And uh, I think Yastrzemski looked a lot fresher, a lot more rested than Kedrzej and Kojle, which, again, they're also playing Champions League, some very long, exhausting five-setters uh, with Zenit Kazan and, and Lube Civitanova. But I think Zaxa, they're just running out of steam towards the end of the season here. Uh, and w- will that be a factor in the Superfinals? Who knows? They have two weeks of rest. They could look fresher, but, I mean... Like you said, they've been running with the same seven players the entire time, pretty much. Even, you know, they had this great regular season record, but it came at the cost of, of playing exactly the same guys every time. And, and Gerbich on Sunday was kind of looking down his bench because Camille Semenyuk was was playing terribly. And he's, yeah, who can I go to, right? Uh, I think he went to, <laughs> with Dapovsky eventually because he's like, Semenyuk's terrible, but there, there's no one else. Um, so we'll see. Maybe that'll be a factor in the Superfinals. I don't know. Okay, but Bogdan, the reason, not the only reason, but one of the main reasons I brought you on the podcast today is to talk about the Bulgarian national team for this summer, because I think it's better to have someone who, who's, you know, very familiar, follows with it. Like you said earlier, you, you've been following Verona just to see uh, Matej Kaziski and uh, Asp- <laughs> this is a name I always have trouble with, the uh, Asparu. Uh, Asparuchov. Asparuchov. Okay, there you go. Asparuchov. Yeah. Asparuchov. Okay. Um, so, yeah. The funny thing, sorry to sorry yeah, to interrupt, is the funny thing is uh, in Bulgaria we have three names, and his name is Asparuch, Asparuchov, Asparuchov. Well, that's great because I'm just going to call him Asparu from now on. That's way easier. <laughs> For sure. Okay. Amazing. If I can take if if I can take anything from this podcast, that that's going to be it. So I don't have to try and pronounce. But. Uh, Okay, well, why don't we start with uh, kind of VNL? Um, so, first of all, you can you can for sure disagree with this, and this is why I brought you on the podcast. But I have Bulgaria uh, ranked twelfth uh, out of the sixteen VNL teams. First reaction: too low, about right, even too high. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, we don't know the uh, rosters, so it's always a guessing game of who's, yeah. Who's we don't show we up. don't know the rosters. Just I would like just to uh, to to give a to give a look because I did I'm I'm not not the best prepared in this uh, in well, this way. But 
Uh, you want me to give first, you the teams, the, the teams I ranked behind them? Uh, uh, yeah, that 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 would be that would be great because just I need just a little bit of I'm 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 opening the so. Uh, so at sixteen, I'm, I had I'm a little bit. Oh, yeah. So yeah. at sixteen, I had uh, Australia, please. and this is a reminder to the fans as well. If you if you didn't listen to my two podcasts, sixteen Australia, fifteen China, fourteen Germany. 13 Slovenia and I already have people messaging me about Slovenia saying they're too low uh, <laughs> so we'll see nobody's messaged me complaining about Australia or China uh, Germany not yet either but Slovenia got a couple messages saying they're too low so but I feel like there, there's a lot of teams here that you could argue to be higher or lower VNL's also kind of a, a guessing game sometimes I mean, I mean you have Iran finishing you know top five one year and then 13th the next year but uh bulgaria is kind of interesting and, and i saw actually was it last night the turkish finals i saw martina tanisov who i've yeah. been following for a number of years winning best uh best spiker for zero bankasi and kara and uh yeah i mean tanisov i watched him go from uh from playing in france to having amazing games with the bulgarian national team summer 2019 and now playing in turkey this year I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that you are uh, underestimating us, because uh, if I'm honest, I believe that this is this is the real the real deal here. I mean, it's uh, with with Argentina, Brazil, Canada, France, Iran, Italy, uh, Poland, Russia, Serbia, and USA. Uh, I believe that it is sure that that objectively we are under these teams of in terms of quality japan i wouldn't say but it depends a lot also on the fact that uh that uh, with with the latest news that there won't be any pretender challenge uh, challenge uh, tournament for uh, for having a new new member uh, for the next year this means that all the challenger teams, including Bulgaria, won't uh, won't lose their place in the VNL 2022. So, so this is a very important marker for how the teams are going to handle this tournament. Uh, on the good side of the things is that a lot of the teams, probably most of them, not not most of them, but almost all of them hadn't played together uh, almost for a year and a half, maybe some of them two years uh, due to COVID uh, pandemic and the fact that uh, we, we didn't have any tournaments last year. Bulgaria is an exception of this rule because we had a, a European qualifier in the beginning of, uh, of 2021, but most of the, the other teams uh, haven't played for, for, a lot of, uh, for a lot of time. Uh, this is the good side because the teams which are going to uh, play in the Olympics need time to uh, to get together, to play together, and uh, to have this uh, organization which is needed only, uh, which is possible only in uh, with playing together. Uh, for the other teams, it's interesting because uh, they will play together in May and June, probably July in uh, in uh, VNL. Uh, 
won't uh, participate in the Olympics and they will have, for example, a European Championship uh, in the autumn of uh, 2021. So this is a very, very huge window of time in which this shape they they have gathered during the VNL is not going to work for three months after that. So it's very interesting how different teams are going to, to, tackle, to tackle this issue. For example, in many seasons, Bulgaria had a problem with Svetan Sokolov, Sokolov playing in the VNL because he, he, ended, uh, he, uh, he has ended his uh, uh, matches in, in, on club level very, very late at, at the season. For example, in 2019, Lube played in the in the Champions League final, but this year it's different because he played in Dinamo Moscow. They won the, the Russian League, but that was on the 6th, 7th of April, I believe, some, uh, right. somewhere there. And uh, and now he's going to have a, a month and a half uh, to uh, before the matches in the VNL. So it's a lot of time. Uh, it's very interesting. Yesterday, I believe that uh, we had this uh, initial very, very broad roster of Bulgarian uh, players, but this is going to change because in the in the beginning of May, some of the players which are regular in the national team are going to uh, to join this team, and and some of the others uh, more uh, players in the, from the Bulgarian league, younger ones, uh, are going to leave the leave the, the camp of the national team. They're, they're for now just to to train with the team, to have this experience with with the national team, but. Uh, but just to have it 14 players which are uh, which are capable of training uh, normally together so after that uh, for example players like sokov skrimov uh, atanasov uh, uh, alex grozdanov from ravenna and also Osparuchov and georgi petrov by the way georgi petrov is playing now in the in the french uh, final with Shumon, and they are leading one to one to uh, zero against uh, Khan, i believe so this is also a player with uh, with a lot of uh, a lot of talent who who can be also the future of the bulgarian national team so it's very interesting how different teams not only bulgaria are going to tackle this uh, this view now i'm i hope that the teams like uh, uh, all of, the, all of the teams playing in the Olympics are going to be very serious, and this will guarantee a very interesting matches in in the bubble. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, like you said, I feel like the most interesting thing right now is how teams approach it. Uh, there is definitely a worry that I think teams would skip most of the VNL given everything that's going on. I think the fact that it's a shorter bubble is really going to help things. I think the fact that the FIVB just recently changed the decision that players had to be in it the whole time to kind of make two different staggered entrance points so that some players, you know, playing the super finals, for example, can come in halfway through. Um, we're going to find out in the next few weeks more about how teams are going to approach it. But like you said, it, it seems pretty hopeful. And it does make sense, in my opinion, to use the VNL as kind of a, you know, a training camp for the Olympics, right? Because it's, it's going to be hard to get this level of competition um, from anywhere else. Uh, so I, I think teams should take advantage of it. But I think you're not going to get the same experience just training amongst yourselves. Um, for Bulgaria, though, I think, you know, from an outsider perspective, there's been this kind of question the last few years, this kind of generational gap. Because on the one hand, you have, a, you know, the, still the players from the very successful team of the, of the early 2010s. Um, you know, uh, guys like Yosefov, uh, Nikolai Nikolaev, uh, uh, forgetting the rest of the names, uh, the Bra Bratovs. 
Uh, not not exactly because uh, Viktor Yosifov uh, retired from the national team okay. in the beginning. Uh, uh, actually, not the beginning of this year. Uh, in in the, in the beginning of the last year, when uh, when uh, when we didn't uh, qualify for the for the Olympics, and uh, the Bortorov brothers are also not in the team anymore. Uh, I, I believe that Nikov is also not caught up for for uh, for for VNL. I'm not sure for that. I should check, but. Uh, I, I I didn't uh, I didn't note him in the in the in the in the initial list. So uh, so that answers the question uh, then. Easy. So it's yeah. So so uh, probably if I if I should uh, uh, from the players I have in my list here. So Cvetan uh, Sukov is is born in uh, in eighty uh, nine, but he's he he was born in uh, he was born on thirty. Thirty first of December, so he's uh, almost ninety. Uh, uh, born uh, born nineteen uh, uh, ninety. So Skrimov is nineteen ninety, uh, and uh, uh, one of the liberals is eighty seven. And uh, Godsev uh, Svetoslav Godsev, the new blocker, is, is also, I believe, uh, born in uh, year nineteen ninety. So so I believe that these are the 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 the, the, the oldest players in the team. So so it's really a generation uh, a generation switch in the in the last uh, three four years uh, for the Bulgarian team, and uh, I hope that uh, that we'll have enough. Uh, uh, in good quality youngsters to 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 change what we had in uh, in uh, in players like uh, Valobratov in his best years, like uh, Todor uh, Alexiev, and also of course not not uh, not to forget uh, Matej Kaziski. But the story is very different, uh, very different there. And I also made some videos about this. Okay, so couple lineup questions here because so say let's for example you're playing a. Uh, match in the VNL final six against Canada or Japan, whoever. Um, for me, I'm starting a Tanisov uh, as outside hitter, lock, lock him in. Yeah. Second outside hitter, you have a few choices. Screamov, uh, either Penchev brother or Asparu. Uh, who would you go with maybe as you would pick as your second outside hitter there? Or even change the maybe I, maybe I'm going to uh, j just just to check sorry sorry but I, I would I'd like to be sure but but the bunch of brothers are also not in the team uh, okay okay just That's good just to <laughs> just to just to check just to check for sure but I'm almost um, almost sure that uh, that they're they're not also in the team just to check it for sure because I don't want to make any any mistakes at least in the at least in the in the list I had, in the um, uh, at least in the in the list I had here in the Bulgarian media, uh, they are also not there, uh, not in the in the list. But uh, this is not a surprise for me. Firstly, Rosalind Penchev is playing in Qatar, so uh, as long as I remember, uh, Nikolai Penchev, he's a very nice guy. He he had a lot <laughs> of success with with the with the national team, but I mean. Uh, if if I'm really honest, uh, he 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 didn't show up in the way everyone wanted to see him because his attack is very low efficiency. Uh, he's also he's really good in uh, in reception, but uh, I I don't think this is enough for this level. And uh, and we and you especially now uh, see what Martina Tanasov is uh, is doing, and we have also uh, youngsters because uh, Penchev is at uh, 92, 
so so almost 30 now and uh, i believe that it's better for for uh, substitutions to have youngsters that 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 maybe have more uh, uh, potential than than Nikolai now so i, I really I, a little bit even sad for him because he, he had a lot of success with the team and he was called up for reception when he was 18 he was a reception substitute in 18 years of age in 2010 in the in the world championship which is yeah uh, a little bit strange now, and uh, and uh, this is also the the proof that uh, that that you believe that he, he's going to be also part of the team. But I believe that he he won't be. Uh, this is not the final decision, of course. This is the list for for Vienna, and maybe maybe he he, he didn't want it to be caught up. I don't know. Uh, I just have the information with the list, but but uh, I believe that it will, it should be Skrimov, uh, and uh, and also in the in the European qualifier they played most of the time with Atanasov and Skrimov and uh, Asparukov as a first substitutions first uh, substitute, uh, and uh, I have a little bit of doubt about the fourth outside hitter. Probably it should be I believe uh, Georgi Petrov from Shomon, but it's possible also we have a very good uh, youngster only 19 years of age uh, i believe that he has even his uh he's 18 still I'm not sure it doesn't matter uh, from the from the vice champions of neftuhimik his his name is denis karagin he's also very talented and one of the best players in the in the bulgarian league the last uh, this season that uh, that ended just uh, just days ago so i believe that these are the five outside hitters and four of them will be in the in the in in the squad for in the in the in the final fourteen for the matches. Well, you guys heard it here first. You got some insider info on uh, the next Bulgarian <laughs> prospect to watch over. And probably, by the way, I, I wanted to mention this earlier, but Yorgi Petro or Yorgi Petrov, right? Is his name? Yeah. Uh, I watched him during the uh, Eurovolley qualifiers, and he was one of those players. I was like, whoa! Like, where did this guy come from? He he looked really good out there. So I'm excited to see. Uh, See how his career progresses and you know doing well with Shomon as well but yeah he's going to be one to watch out for the, in the future only 99. um so in the middle uh alex grostanov i think is easy pick but uh i don't think he had the best season uh this year i believe um didn't watch a ton of him play but just looking by the stats i believe his you know spiking efficiency was way down this year if i'm correct I haven't checked the the statistic, but uh, honestly, my impression is is the other way around. And I believe that if things go normal, uh, he he should be in a better team next season. Maybe not in the in the biggest teams, but from Verona, we had this average level in uh, like uh, teams like uh, Piacenza and uh, and Milano, and uh, probably also Modena in, in their shape now, or like, let's say Vibo or Monza or something like this. And he, he he should be in a better team. Uh, he's a very good blocker. He has a great attack. Maybe he has some deficiencies in his serve, uh, but uh, but uh, this could be this could be fixed with the year. So I believe that that he he's really the easy choice. And so even I'm now uh, a little bit of uh, put in difficulty to to say who should be number two middle blocker because we have the the experience of uh, Svetoslav Gotsev. Uh, He's playing now in Paris Volley in France. And uh, also we had a, a, a middle blocker from uh, Heber Pazrijic, uh, the new champions of Bulgaria, Nikolai Kurtev. I believe that he he was born in 95, uh, as I'm not wrong. And also another another middle blocker uh, uh, from, uh, from the team of uh, Montana, uh, 
Chavdarov, uh, also uh, a little bit even younger than, than them, uh, a player from Neftochimika, another player, Nikolai Kolev. So, so probably uh, there will be Grozdanov, Gotsev, and Kurtev, and the fourth will be either uh, Chavdarov or... And I know that these are not, uh, not very known uh, for sure uh, players, but we had, uh, after we had... Uh, for example, Todor Todorov is also not in the in the team, so uh, yeah, which is it's really a really a, really a uh, generation switch. Yeah, because I, I was gonna say, Bulgaria usually a team <laughs> you're very scared of their middles going into it. Uh, you know you're gonna face a really really tough block with uh, with the guys that were there before. But yeah, uh, interesting to see that it kind of kind of switched to the the outside hitters in opposite maybe now being the focus. Uh, what about Krasimir Georgiev? Is he a uh, a potential mm, potential guy he started i believe he started uh, he started the season in the, in the team of uh, csk or csk uh, i believe it's it's uh, it's known in uh, in 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 the english english uh, language world uh and then he uh, he started playing abroad but uh, i'm not sure where exactly uh, uh he, he he was also a prospect but i don't think uh, that Probably, probably uh, our coach Prandi didn't didn't like him uh, that much, but uh, I don't know the, the reasons. But I haven't, uh, except for the time for the time he was in uh, in Cesica, I, I didn't follow him uh, the after. All right, so let's go on to uh, the opposite position, which obviously we have Sokolov, pretty pretty easy one there. But a couple of interesting guys behind it potentially. Uh, we have the, I believe, recent NCAA Player of the Year, uh, Radu Parapunov, <laughs> who I think is a bit of a fan favorite, at least uh, among people that I talk to, because he's he's hilarious and he plays with uh, Gage Worsley in Hawaii and does like all the out of system content stuff, which which I love. Um, and also we have uh, Chernokozev. Chernokozev. Yeah, Chernokozhev. Uh, uh, yeah, but I believe that he's a little bit uh, out of date also, Cher ah. uh, Chernokozhev. Uh, so Kov is not the, re the, 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 the easy guess. It's, uh, it's, the, it's the sure, I don't know how to call it uh, another way. Uh, the second, let's say if we have only two opposites, of course, uh, I will choose between... Uh, Radu Parapunov, or, the, or how our uh, U.S. colleagues call them, uh, call him uh, Parapunov. And I watched some of match, some of the matches uh, of, of Hawaii, uh, uh, most in 2019, I believe, and not not the after. But anyway, uh, and uh, another player uh, attacking and serving, of course, with uh, left hand, Dimitar Dimitrov from the team of uh, of Cesica also. Uh, he he was he was in the team for the European qualifier in the beginning of the year. The problem with Parapunov is the, uh, is that I believe that according to the information I read, uh, he's going to join the team after 15th of May, uh, and this is just I don't know eight nine days before the before the start of the of the bubble. So in the VNL, so I don't think at least for the first. Uh, 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 this first half of the VNL, he's going to be there. So I would, uh, I would guess that uh, Dimitar Dimitrov uh, uh, will be there. Uh, of course, there are also some other, some other players that could be, uh, that could be an option, like uh, 
uh, like the, the, the opposite of, uh, of Neftochimik, Gianni Zelaskov. Uh, he is the son of the assistant coach of, of the Bulgarian national team, Nikola Zelaskov, a former uh, middle blocker of the team. So these are the, the, uh, the, the three options, I believe, for the, uh, the four options, I believe, for the, uh, for the two middle, uh, two opposite uh, opposite uh, places in the team. So Sokolov plus one, but uh, yeah, it's interesting also for me who will be the who will be the one for uh, the one for uh, a longer period of time uh, because Dimitri Dimitrov shows also uh, a lot of talent, and uh, we all know that this combination of a of a, having a, a left uh, left hand uh, left hander at the bench is. Always, always a nice one because you you can change the the style of playing, etc. For sure, and yeah, okay, that's news to me that there's you know a lot more opposites maybe in the in the pipeline than than maybe some fans know. And before we move on to our last topic, libero, if you want to do it quickly. Uh, without uh, without uh, uh, without Todor Soparov, who who also retired. Uh, we had three options, but one of them uh, I read in Bulgarian media again that uh, he's not going to join for the VNL due to family reasons. This is the leader of Heber, Petr Karakashev. Uh, it's a, by the way, it's a very interesting story because uh, I don't know if there are any other uh, example in the Bulgarian uh, history. Probably uh, not. Probably in the in the history of world volleyball that. A brother and a sister are playing in the national teams at the same time. So, because his sister, uh, his sister is playing in the in the um, uh, in the women's national team of Bulgaria, I believe this is the case of these uh, the two Polish uh, the the two Belgian players of a Polish descent, Grobelny. I believe that they are playing in the in the Belgian national team at the same time. So it's a very similar story, but uh, he's not going to be there for the VNL. I would say that he would he would have been the 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 first choice uh, libero or at least on on equal footing with uh, Vodislav uh, Ivanov who who is uh, more experienced uh, he played also together with uh, with uh, Sao for example in 2011 when Sao Paulo was injured badly injured uh, Ivanov played the uh, both the World League back then and the European Championship so so probably he would be the first choice and uh, and his uh, mate in surname Ivanov, Martin Ivanov, is is also a, a good libero from the from uh, Lokomotiv, uh, from Plovdiv, uh, and he will be the second second libero, I believe. And uh, I believe that even in the in this broad court, there are only two liberals, as as, as I could uh, as I could say. Okay. Yes, there are only two. So 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 there will be two Ivanovs, uh, Vlad, Vladislav and uh, and Martin Martin uh, Ivanov in the team. Okay, so I think that does it for Bulgaria preview. I um, believe I believe we missed the setters. Oh yeah, sorry, setter. Because Set yeah, because uh, because I, I I said that uh, Georgi Bratov is not in the team, so first choice uh, will be uh, Georgi right? Seganov. Georgi Seganov uh, from uh, from the, from the team of uh, Cisterna in Italy. And the second, uh, the second option will be Vladimir Stankov, uh, who was also in the team for the European qualifier. He's a setter of, of Levski. He's ninety born was, uh, he was born in ninety six, I believe. So, uh, but but he's playing in the Bulgarian league uh, since uh, he was sixteen years of age. So it's he has a lot of experience. 
And what's your opinion on Seganov? Because I feel like I, I hear a very wide range of where people rank him. Um, it's not a it's not a secret that Bulgaria is lacking on very good uh, setters in the last years. Uh, I know uh, Georgi Bortov, but maybe he also is going to admit that sometimes he's not that. In, in that level he wants to be because uh, uh, we all know his ambition but uh, this this lack of uh, of uh, consistency uh, it's 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 harming the team and he's also a very explosive guy and he has a lot of uh, let's see not conflicts but but issues some some sometimes with the coaches so this is also a problem that uh, that that followed uh, the retirement of Andrei Zhekov in 2014-15 from the team uh, and so we had before that Nikolai Ivanov but it, it, it is easy to say that we have uh, this this setter problem I believe that Seganov is 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 decent and I hope that in this tough season in uh, of Cisterna, because it was very tough, with only two wins in the regular season, uh, he he got this uh, this additional experience in tough situations, which is going to help him also in the in the national team. But uh, for sure, we we need. I'm sure that it's my opinion that we need to to invest a lot in in setters from the from the younger generations 2003 2004 5 etc because because we need we need this competition of setters and uh, honestly I don't think we we had this competition of of good setters in the Bulgarian league for example yeah it's always good to have you know two or three setters because setters the one player you change and the dynamic of the team completely change and some setters just don't fit with some skill sets so definitely I agree with you there yeah, Seganov, it's it, you know he's not he's not going to be the best player on your team, but you know maybe a good stopgap, and, and he's not not terrible either. Okay, I think it's time for our last segment today. A very uh, maybe <laughs> divisive team among fans, probably the most controversial team, the most discussion is around, and that is Japan, because let's get it out of the way first. Um, there's a lot of, you know, and there's nothing wrong with this at all, but there's a lot of volleyball fans who are, are maybe more Japan volleyball fans than, than overall volleyball fans. And it's totally fair. IQ's great. Love, love the show. Great. Uh, the FIVB posts tons of Japanese content on, on, on uh, social media, but I think it maybe inflates the perception that people sometimes have of the Japanese players. Um, and that's why, yeah, I think, I think 11th, is about rights. Could they finish higher? Sure. Um, could they? Could I see them finish be, finishing behind Bulgaria, Slovenia, and probably even Germany? Also, yes. Um, but it, they're certainly a unique team because, as we all know, uh, very undersized compared to other teams, and uh, usually more technical than other teams as well. Um, any any initial thoughts on Japan? I, I wouldn't hide that I'm not I'm not following the uh, the Japanese league, uh, and the only players uh, I could uh, I could talk about are Nishida, uh, Ishi, Ishikawa, and maybe uh, some words about uh, about for example uh, Koga, who was uh, uh, who played in the um, in the Polish league in Zawercie. Uh In the in the history of the game, when when the game was not 
that much depending on on height and uh, and uh, physical capabilities uh, the japanese team uh, we know that they were really great they they even won the olympic title in uh, in 1972 which is uh, i believe it is their biggest achievement in the in the history of the game now it's very hard for them it's it just it's just physiology. You, you can't you can't blame for for them. We a lot in our podcast we talked about Nishida and the hype the media, uh, especially also the the FIVB creates around him. And I sometimes I'm making fun of it, but I would like to underline and very uh, very heavily that to underline it to emphasize it that I'm not making fun of Nishida or I'm not making fun of his fans either. I'm making fun only of the hype they created because I believe that he's a very good player and probably, probably he could be also a great player in Europe. But the expectations they create around him could could be very harmful for him in the in the moment he uh, he 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 comes here in Europe and play on in Italy, for example, or in Poland. I don't know. There were some rumors that he's going to play in Vibo Valencia. Uh, against Bulgaria uh, in the VNL 2019, he scored, I believe, seven aces. And uh, as I said, now, unfortunately for me, we are not this indicator for for greatness in volleyball for sure. Uh, the, the first problem I see is that there are going to be really great expectations for Nishida when 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 uh, he ends in a in a in a European club in Italy, Poland. Uh, I don't think he's going to Russia. <laughs> this this is for sure for me, uh, or uh, probably. And that's really also a very strange thing. I believe that that if he comes here, he should start from a, a little bit lower level, like France, for example. Uh, but I don't think this is going to happen because of the hype. What is going to happen uh, with the hype if, if Nishida plays in uh, all due respect to, to Shomon Weir, Lanza, and uh, Petrov, and, uh, and Silvano Prandi is a coach, but what is going to, 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 to happen with all the hype in the FIVB and uh, everywhere else if he ends up in Shomon? Yeah. It's not going to happen, but he's not going to be used to this to this level. Uh, he's a great guy, but in his uh, in his uh, level of playing, it, taking also that he's I believe one eighty seven, or uh, if I'm not wrong, yeah, it will be that. very hard, very hard to uh, to to uh, to play out of system against against the blockers uh, we have here in Europe, in Italy, and Poland. It's it's going to be very hard for him to be to be on that level of of blocking because with his height he's also to to give a, he, he's going also to give up a lot of blocking, and the opposite we all know that the opposite is a very important uh, a part of the chain of blocking because you you need you need the opposite to blocking. I'm not sure that he's he he's not he's the worst blocker in the world. Of course not, but but when you are 187, you can't compensate. Uh, with uh, to, to someone who is two meters or two meters one uh, two meters oh five for example i don't i don't know uh this is the more important thing and i really believe that this hype of uh, around nishida 
could be, could be. No, it's not obligatory too, but it could be harmful for him for him uh, in the future. Uh, secondly, Ishikawa. Ishikawa uh, had really great matches in Milano. Milano won the, the Challenge Cup uh, uh, in uh, the third-ranked uh, European tournament, SEF uh, uh, tournament, and he's also a great player. Uh, I'm not sure. Probably Yanagida is, is the is the is the is the other outside hitter. And uh, I remember Shimizu as an opposite playing playing before also from Panasonic. Uh, Panasonic Panthers, I believe, uh, his team, but he's 35, so he will be probably, I, I'm not sure, the, the substitute of, uh, of Nishida. And uh, and uh, the setter, a lot of people uh, talk about, uh, but uh, honestly, I'm not uh, I'm not that aware of his of his uh, skills, uh, Sekita. Uh, really, I'm not that in in depth with 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 the Japanese team, but. Uh, it will be interesting for me to see how Nishida is going to uh, to play against uh, against uh, players like uh, teams like uh, USA, Russia, Poland, Italy, and so and all the others. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Nishida to Europe is something that we've been begging for for a while because it's gonna it's gonna either a lot a lot of people are gonna be right and a lot of people are gonna be wrong. And personally. You know, I think he's definitely overrated when people say, oh, yeah, Zaitsev, Wallace, Atanasevich, Sokolov, Dushita. Yeah, those are the five guys. No, <laughs> absolutely not. But at the same time, no. I think I think he can play in Italy. I think he's good enough. You know, I, would I take him over Abuba this year? Would I take him over um, Mads Jensen this year? Yeah, probably I would take him over those guys. You know, he's a legitimately a fantastic jump server, uh, you know, great attacker, if very strong the money. attacker. Pardon? If if you had the money, because I don't think Verona has yeah, the money yeah, for yeah, but theor Theoretically, would I take him over these guys? I think he's good enough to play in Italy, even have a career in Italy. We saw with Yuki Ishikawa, people, you know, maybe he had a bit more, uh, he started younger and had a bit more hype, but he's been doing very well in Italy, showing he can play at that level. Um, we'll see, though. Uh, Yuji Nishida is definitely going to be interesting to watch at VNL. Definitely going to be their starting opposite. And you know, you said you didn't watch a uh, Japanese league, but he's been, you know, one of the leading scorers in Japan the last two years or three years. He's he's hitting very efficiently. His numbers are comparable to guys like uh, Bartosz Kurak and Christian Pater. So, you know, he's compar comparable to those guys in Japan. Who, who's to say he can't, you know, replicate the same thing uh, in Europe? Because I, I think I think he, there's potentially could. Ishikawa, I think you I think you nailed everything. You had a great year in Milano. Personally, I think Milano disappointed me a bit. I think uh, their roster was a bit better than how they performed overall. Of course, there were injury concerns and, and in my opinion, some strange coaching decisions uh, throughout the season. But consistently through it, I would say Ishikawa was their best player. Um, the second outside, though, you mentioned Yanagida, and that's for sure possible. But I think it, this could be very interesting for Japan because they have uh, Fukuzawa uh, playing in France this year, who had a fairly good season. And then a couple other guys that I want to mention. Um, the most interesting one to me is uh, uh, Ran Takahashi, who is a player that I went did a YouTube video about in my best prospects. And he's kind of like, seems like the next uh, Yuki Ishikawa level prospect. He already was training with the national team last summer. Uh, he's like a 190 outside hitter can do everything well, um, very good vertical, very technical, like a lot of the Japanese players. 
Um, so he could be an interesting one to watch. I hope he gets some uh, some playing time this year at VNL because I feel like he's he could be the third kind of piece to the puzzle. Or at least that's the way people talk to him with Nishida, Ishikawa, and, and Ren Takahashi. There's also could be uh, Kenta Takanashi, who was one of the leading scorers in Japan as well, uh, who's you know outside hitter. I feel like he didn't get much playing time in Japan's last run of things. He's only a 97. Another guy potentially to keep your eyes peeled for this summer, but I think it is really the second outside hitter spot is a is going to be a free for all. I do not think it's going to be guaranteed to Yanagita because if you've seen Yanagita play this year, his he's like he's looking a little old and unathletic, and the athleticism wasn't entirely there uh, to begin with. Of course, uh, Japan's biggest issue I feel like is always in their middle position. They're too short and too slow. Uh, to really uh, put up a good block consistently. Uh, we have Onandera and Hakuri, who have been two of the main guys recently. And also uh, Kuriyama is a middle who led the Japanese league in hitting efficiency this year. So another potential got to watch out for. Setter, of course, Sakita's. He's, he's, let's be honest, these guys are fun to watch because it's a 175 centimeter setter who's, you know, incredibly technically skilled, runs a super fast offense. But uh, yeah, being, being 175 centimeters and playing, you know, at the highest level of volleyball, that's tough. But uh, we've seen it, you know, with Mateus Sanchez as well, uh, the Argentinian setter, a couple of these really short setters. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I guess. What, what's your opinion on these like super, super short setters like Sanchez and Sakita? Because are they, you know... Are, are you just giving up on your block? You know, we see with Tony Udi where he doesn't even block and they, they pull him and just have the middle uh, and outside hitter do the double block. Do you think it's possible to work around a short setter at the highest level? If you are bent to Udi, we can do, you can do it. Uh, for Sikita with 175 for middle, I'm, I agree with you. That means that you are three rotations you are giving up. Of course, uh, you, if if uh, if your serve uh, uh, gets the, the the opposing team out of system, maybe you are going to have a chance. But in principle, you are you are giving up maybe averagely two of three rotations when 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 Sekita is uh, in front, and that means that you are giving up I don't know how how many maybe maybe 11, 11 12 rotations uh, for in a set. So. Uh, this is uh, this is strange for me, but uh, I don't know. It, it depends on the tactics of the team. It depends on the the decisions of the coach. And if he believes that he's that good enough in setting, for example, the, and also probably in defense uh, with this height, uh, he can compensate on uh, with with that one. But uh, yeah, I. I met some, let's say that I saw also some hype again uh, around Sikita being the best setter in the world, which is, I don't know how to comment it really. I mean, I mean, I don't want to, to be to be offensive towards anyone, but uh, this is a joke. Yeah, I think someone comment, I've got a couple of comments on my top 10 setter videos being like, what about Sikita? What about Sikita? Sorry, guys, he's, he's, he's not close and he's not going to make the list this year. But again, like I said earlier, extremely fun to watch. If you, if you were like one, even if you were 190, I think you would be way up there in terms of setters if you, if you kept his technical ability. But unfortunately, volleyball is a game where height matters a lot. And uh, that definitely hurts a team. And maybe he would be better on a team 
that can better compensate for his uh, front row blocking. But unfortunately, uh, Japan is not really that team. Overall, though, they're fun. They're a really good team to watch. I'm going to watch a lot of Jap Japan's games at VNL this summer and at the Olympics, of course. Um, but overall, I would temper people's expectations because I feel like, again, the, the really good finish at the World Cup in 2019 uh, changed people's opinions as well. Uh, which was a bit of an anomaly. They're playing at home in front of the crowd. Lots of teams didn't send their top lineup. So I feel like that has confused people as well. I would, I would like to add just one thing about Nishida because playing on a national level uh, in, I don't know, five, six, seven matches in a very, very uh, good way and very at a very good, even great level is one thing. But playing on a club level where teams are for sure better because they play more time together, uh, it's it's much harder. So this is also a thing we should uh, we should take into account because uh, people say, oh, uh, and it's it's a it's a really sad truth in volleyball that 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 people believe that national teams are better because they are watching only national teams. Uh, this is very sad for me because I'm just seeing that when there is a, a, a matches when there are matches of the national teams, for example, the reach of, of posts in Facebook are, are, are much bigger, and this is not this is not the same for the for the club level teams. But it's for sure that club club uh, clubs are better than national teams, even though things uh, fans maybe maybe think the other way around. So, so I believe this is very also very important to, to say that it's much harder. And we saw also we commented on Zaksa that the tiredness and uh, and it's very very hard to play consistently every match in three days, even six days after the other. So it's very hard to do it. So so this is also that should be taken in, into account with players that are not uh, even, uh, maybe not not in the, um, I'm not saying that, that the Japanese league is the worst league, of course not. It is it is for sure in the, in the, in the top 10 league in the world, I believe. But it's, it's much different from, uh, it's very different really from Italy, from uh, Poland, uh, and from Russia, and even uh, uh, from uh, Turkey and, uh, and France. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but we'll, uh, we'll have all these answers. Question finally with Nishida coming to Europe. I love it. I'm very excited for it. And overall, I like, I like to see Asian players compete in Europe because it's always, it's always interesting whenever it happens. But I think that's the end of our, our very extensive, very in-depth preview of, of a couple <laughs> Nations League scene. Um, where can people find uh, find your content online in Volleyball Explained? Just just write Volleyball Explained in YouTube uh, and uh, and in Facebook, and I believe that uh, that it will be under the under the first suggestions. So uh, the last the last podcast, uh, as you mentioned, I made was with uh, Bradley Gunter. I hope that he's going to be called up in the in the Canadian national team. Uh, and uh, and of course, uh, probably no, not. not, That's not, not probably not. <laughs> and uh, and of course, in the uh, maybe the maybe the most used uh, podcast platform, Spotify, we we are also there. So so people can find uh, our contents very easily, I believe. Awesome. Well, again, I want to emphasize, guys, definitely check out volleyball explained stuff. Uh, really like in depth tactical uh, knowledge between between all you guys and uh, you. I've learned a ton and I'm sure you guys can too. But 
thank you so much for joining. Uh, we have thank a, you too. We have a great week of volleyball coming up with the Italian league and Super Finals coming up. So exciting stuff. And I'll talk to everyone next week. Thank you again. And uh, it was a real pleasure, as I said also in the beginning, to talk about volleyball. We, we did it with uh, one, one hour, even one hour, and I don't know, 20 minutes. So it's, 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 a real, it's, it's really great to, to talk about all these interesting topics. And I hope that uh, the VNL won't be as a friendly tournament, but uh, more like uh, extended Olympics. For sure. I, I think we're all hoping that.